0: up guys first take fantasy here today we are talking wide receivers so we have our top 40 wide receivers and we tiered them so when we say numbers it it doesn't necessarily mean it's like a be all end all ranking we're more interested in the tiers and where players fall we have elite wide receivers upside wide receiver twos wide receiver threes flexes all that good stuff so we're not going to talk about anything else we're just going to get straight into it so For our top three, we have the elite wide receivers who we consider to be really safe this season. So you have Devontae Adams, number one, Michael Thomas, number two, and Julio Jones, number three. So the consensus would normally have Michael Thomas as number two. Tyler, you've been a huge advocate for Devontae Adams as the number one overall receiver this year. Give me a few reasons as to why you think he has a better claim to number one than Michael Thomas.
1: Well, first and foremost, I think that it's fair to say that Michael Thomas will regress from his historic season in twenty nineteen. Given that regression is just always imminent when you have a career year like that. Along with that, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders into the mix. Uh, with that, they they've gotten a wide receiver two in that offense that they've really been looking for the past few years. Yeah. Um, Drew Brees is getting older, so I, I I think that he throws the ball less this season. Along with that, for Devonte Adams. There's really no threat to his targets this upcoming season. They brought in Devin Funchess, but like it's it's Devin Funchess. Does like, Devin not Funchess not and... scare you? Absolutely not. I mean, he's a <laughs> solid receiver. He he could he could be a solid uh, number two for this offense, but he isn't what Manuel Sanders is. To yeah, the he's
0: he's not even a quarter that... of the player Manny is. Manny is a stud. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you
1: there. Another thing about Manny is that like he's 33, like he's still balling out there. Shout out to Manuel Sanders, like.
0: Yeah, His return from that Achilles was, like, completely unprecedented. I know last year in our fantasy drafts he was sliding all over the place because no one knew what was going on with his leg, and he ended up being a steal. So, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with you there. I think Michael Thomas, definitely, like you said, regression is going to come, and adding Emmanuel Sanders into the mix, not to mention they have rookie tight end Adam Troutman, and you're going to have Kamara healthy, hopefully, for an entire 16 games as opposed to missing, like, the one or two games that he missed last year. So, like, just these little things that factor in and regression and everything like it's all gonna culminate to I think Michael Thomas taking a step back this year and the signs are really pointing for a positive regression for Devontae Adams so yes he missed games last year but I believe on a per game basis he was averaging just over 10 targets per game and when you're doing that with Aaron Rodgers in such a great offense and you're really the number one guy especially in the red zone like things are really looking up for Devontae Adams I totally agree with you there I like Devontae Adams as a number one receiver. Julio Jones, I do like him a lot, and I wouldn't be surprised if he finished as a wide receiver one. But I think Calvin Ridley is in is due for a big breakout. So kind of have to balance things out. I don't think they're gonna have two top five receivers in uh in Atlanta. So Julio, number three, but nonetheless still an elite receiver. So next we have the good wide receiver ones. So these are guys that we believe if you can get them in the end of the first or second round of your draft, you are still solid at the wide receiver position. You have a star on your team. So fourth overall, we kind of have a bit of a surprise here, DJ Moore. So we have DJ Moore at four, Tyree Hill at five, and Chris Godwin at six. So DJ Moore, obviously, we've been huge on him throughout the entire offseason, even when they signed Robbie Anderson. That honestly almost helped our case for DJ Moore. So we have him top five why or what are the reasons that we believe dj Moore is top five this year
1: well first and foremost he's just a very talented player we saw that coming out of college in maryland and overall i think that he just he really reminds me of a guy like emmanuel sanders or steve smith just like a deep threat really runs very crisp uh routes and does a lot after the catch so i really love me some dj moore as a player along with that He's finally got a quarterback to to throw him the ball. Like we saw last year.
0: Oh, I that was, was terrible first, last year.
1: For, first three games, he had Cam Newton, maybe two games. And you could tell that he was still hurting. Yeah, and Cam was it, beat it, his, for his, sure. His shoulder was clearly affecting him. They brought in Kyle Allen as the backup and uh, to start the game. And, you know, he had some good games, but he just wasn't consistent enough to provide D.J. Moore Um, the consistent workload that he needed to be an elite wide receiver one but he still got the job done he I mean DJ Moore finished as wide receiver I think he finished as a wide receiver for one last year
0: yeah he did he had he had over a thousand yards I think like a thousand one hundred yards and the problem with him was the touchdown category so I think that was a product of one CMC just having the one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen at the running back position but also just like you said like the quarterback play was subpar and Like, that can get you down the field. Like, you can dink and dunk your way down the field. But in the red zone especially, you have to have an on-target accurate quarterback. And that is not what he had. So, I don't think that's a knock on DJ Moore himself as a receiver. I think it's more the offense that he was in and the situation he was put in. But, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater this year, huge upgrade over what DJ Moore has been playing with considering Cam Newton's injuries. So, the quarterback got better. The system, I think, will benefit DJ Moore more not to say his name twice, but 100%. Joe Brady, what we saw at LSU was nothing short of incredible. And he gets his receivers in space. He allowed Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase to kind of create for themselves after the catch. And that's really big with DJ Moore. Cause I mean, when you put the ball in his hands, he is one crazy fast Two, just, he literally runs the ball, like a really good running back in the NFL. Like he's hard to bring down and he makes people miss. And he's not afraid to run people over either. Like everything about this guy, like we always say you want to like, we pick the players that we're rooting for them and we like the way they play football. Like, DJ Moore, turn on the tape. There's nothing that you can dislike about him. Like, he does everything well. He's a do-it-all receiver in this league. And I think this year is going to be really his coming out party. Like, he's going to put himself in the top, top eight, top ten, like, overall receiver in the NFL. And for fantasy purposes, I think he's definitely going to finish inside the top six. We have him at four. And I, I love him this year. I'm, I'm really big on DJ Moore.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I just feel like the stars are aligning for DJ Moore to really break out this year. You know, they brought in the quarterback, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, the offensive system, Joe Brady. I don't want to sound redundant, but like, I'm just really, really yeah, buying DJ ev- Everything, Moore. Just, like
0: you said, stars are aligning. Like it is, things are looking up and he's going to be great this year. So if you can get him on your teams, absolutely do it. Whatever the cost is, he's going to be worth it. He's honestly a sleeper to finish as the wide receiver one overall, but... I won't put him ahead of Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, or Julio first because he is, those are all quite elite, and DJ Moore still hasn't proven himself in that aspect yet. So moving on from the good wide receiver ones, we have the decent wide receiver ones. So these are guys that are pretty solid at the wide receiver position. They're going to have their boom games, their bust games. They're going to see volume, though, and they're probably going to be the number one target in their offense, maybe the number one option in their offense. So number seven, we have Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, high volume, really like him. Uh, playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with in his career. So he's things are looking up for Allen Robinson. Finished as wide receiver 10 last year. Wide receiver 7 for us this year. Kenny Galladay led the league in touchdowns at wide receiver position last year. Led the league overall in touchdowns actually with 11. So he's a red zone threat. He's a deep ball guy. And he was wide receiver 2 overall with Stafford as the quarterback. So healthy Stafford with Kenny Galladay. Things are looking up for him. And now a bit of a controversial take here. DeAndre Hopkins, new wide receiver in a new system. We have him as wide receiver nine. So, Tyler, why are we lower on DeAndre Hopkins than most other fantasy analysts? Well, it's
1: it's not a knock on his uh, ability as a receiver. I think that it's pretty clear that he's one of the best contested receivers or contested catch receivers, if not the best contested catch receiver in the league. It's more so about the offense that he's going into. And I think that right when we found out that he was going to the Cardinals, we just did not – neither one of us really liked the fit because it's more of a methodical offense. They like to get the ball down the field with short intermediate passes and um, really get everybody involved. I don't think that we saw anybody go over the 20% target share threshold for the team last season. Uh, You know, you had Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald sitting at around 18% each. So obviously I think that DeAndre Hopkins does go over that because he is a very talented receiver and they're going to use the weapon that they spent a second round pick on. But at the same time, they, it, this is an offense that does like to get others involved and move the ball downfield from uh short passes and intermediate passes instead of going for the big play that DeAndre Hopkins has really been accustomed to the past few years, working with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. So, Obviously, Kyler Murray's talented. He's going to get him the ball. He's going to get a lot of volume because it's a high, it's a moderately high volume offense. So he's going to get a lot of targets. But it's it's he's he's going to be a consistent option. But he's not going to have as big of games as you are usually accustomed to with a DeAndre Hopkins type player. But I mean, he's we have him at nine, so he's still going to be a solid wide receiver one. We, I just don't think that he has as much upside as he's had in other seasons with uh, Deshaun Watson.
0: Yeah, I totally agree because, like you said, this system is more methodical. They like to get their, they like to run screens, drag routes, rub routes to get the receivers in space and kind of let the receivers create. Which DeAndre Hopkins is—he's okay at that, but that's not necessarily his game. His game is—that's not as bread as
1: button. Yeah,
0: beat people off the line, beat them at the top of the route, and make a big catch over the middle of the field or on the sidelines and kind of toe tap because contested catch, like you said, he's the best in the league. I don't think there's anybody better than him in that aspect, but he's not going to catch a slant route and then stiff arm somebody, juke somebody else, and then take it to the house. Like they have Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Larry Fitzgerald, all those guys can kind of do more of that than DeAndre Hopkins can. So that does scare me a little bit. Like you said, the volume's going to be there. The thing that scares me the most about Hopkins is going from a situation where you have such good chemistry with your quarterback. Like Watson knew when to target him, he was the third down guy. And in an offseason that you don't have that much time to work with players and you don't have much time to get acclimated to the system, I think for a player like Hopkins, it's going to hurt him a little bit. I think the lack of chemistry that there's going to be with Kyler Murray is going to take away from his ability overall this year as a fantasy asset and kind of scares me. So, Yeah, like you said, good wide receiver one, but I'm not really banking on him to have like a top five season this year. I think he'll be in the lower wide receiver one mix for this season. So moving forward from the solid wide receiver ones, we have the low wide receiver ones slash high wide receiver twos. So this is the 10 to 13 range. And these four players are all pretty household names. They're well known. So, you have Juju Smith-Schuster at number 10, Robert Woods at 11, Mike Evans at 12, and Amari Cooper at 13. So, Tyler, you are a Steelers fan, and you kind of sold me on the idea of Juju still being that top 10 guy. Why is Juju top 10 this year? Well, I
1: think I want to say single-handedly because of Big Ben. I don't want to say that, but it's kind of the biggest reason here. So. We really saw Ben target Juju, like, a lot in in 2018. I think he ended up getting 167 targets or something like that. It was over 160 in a – granted, a pass-first offense, but it's pretty obvious that he has the rapport with Big Ben. You know, you have Deontay Johnson as well, but he didn't really get to work with him as much. But Juju is his guy, and that was pretty obvious in the 2018 season. He ended up winning team MVP – I think that he's just a team player. Along with that, he dealt with a lot of injuries in 2019. I think he was out for four games as well, just like Devontae Adams. So he's going to be coming back. He's coming back healthy. He's in a contract year, so if there's any time for Juju Smith-Schuster to ball out, it's now. And I just feel like if Big Ben comes back and he's healthy and he's throwing the ball – I don't think that they're going to hold him back necessarily. They're just not going to make him throw 675 times like they did before. So I think that Juju is going to be the top target in this offense. He's going to get an elite wide receiver one target share. And with that, I think that he has the upside to get into the top five range. Definitely. I think that Big Ben, there's still some risk with him because he's coming off of an elbow injury. And the yeah, but You can't
0: you can't assume Big Ben to not be hundred percent. Like if he's gonna be out on the field, I think we all expect like, Big Ben to be Big Ben, even if yeah. his elbow is still recovering. Like if he's on yeah. there, if he's on the field, I expect Juju to be the guy in this offense.
1: I, I definitely agree with you. And it's just that with we don't know what, what kind of Big Ben we're gonna see coming out of here. I mean, we, we saw that hype video, which was pretty cool as a Steelers fan to see. Yeah. But we don't we don't know which kind of big Ben we're going to see.
0: But the thing the thing good. with Juju also is, like, you don't need – you just need to get him the ball. Like, you don't need to make, like, these big throws, like, contested catches and whatever down the field. Like, yes, he can make those catches. He's a super talented player. But I think the biggest thing with Juju is he's a guy that he can take, like, a little curl route or a little slant route. And he's making people – he's like DJ Moore, same thing. Like, making people miss – stiff arm, and then he's going for 60-something yards. And that's, like, a common occurrence for Juju. Like, he's a big play guy. And with Ben just ripping the ball into a tight window, like, 10 yards away from him, I think it's much easier for Ben to come back to that as opposed to throwing, like, a deep bomb to James Washington down the field. So, with Juju being the focal point of this offense, and this offense is going to be pretty solid with Big Ben back. Like, Juju's very talented. They still have a good run game. They have an okay receiving core, and Juju's going to be the guy. And if he's seeing 150 targets in this offense, like he'll finish higher than wide receiver 10. I think this is a pretty conservative ranking for Juju, given the volume that he could receive. He's one of those guys that has really high upside, but right now just the little uncertainties with Ben and how much Juju's going to progress as a player kind of keep us from putting him higher. But I really love Juju this year. I think he's going to have a great season.
1: Yeah, and. You also have to consider, like, during this time last year when you were talking about Juju Smith-Schuster, he was in consideration for, like, a top three spot in wide receiver uh, positions. So, yeah, it's a very similar situation to what he was in last year. I think at this point, if you're buying him at wide receiver 10, he might be going even later than that. Oh, in drafts, he's
0: going to be going, like, probably, like, wide receiver 13 or 14. Like, he's going to be going in, like, the third round.
1: I think even later, he might be going like fourth round.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, if he's in the, if I could get Juju as the third best player on my team, like a wide receiver two, that'd be absolutely perfect. So that's that's kind of what I'm trying to buy him as, as the best wide receiver on my team. I'm not sure, given there are question marks, but he's definitely one of the guys that has so much upside. I cannot pass on him as my wide receiver two. So. That tier, we have, yeah, the Jujus, Robert Woods, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, all really good options this year. Yes, there are question marks with them, but there also is a ton of upside with each one of these guys. So if you can get them as your wide receiver two, you're golden. And another group of guys that I really like, this, this, this is my tier, this is where I want to get all my receivers from this year, is the upside wide receiver twos. So these are guys going in anywhere from the third to fifth round that I think all have upside of a wide receiver one. And- I can't project them to be much more than that, given that a lot of these guys are really young. But I still love the talents that they are, and I love the situations that most of them are in. So at 14, we have Terry McLaurin. 15, we have Calvin Ridley. 16, DJ Chark. 17, AJ Brown. And 18, Cooper Cup. So this is, this is a tier that we kind of spent a lot of time with to figure out who was going to go where. Tyler, which of these guys is probably the most polarizing going into next season?
1: Hmm, polarizing. I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin because, you know, I think he finished outside of the top 20 last year, even yeah. though that he was, he was a very competent fantasy option through most of the season. But right when Dwayne Haskins came in, it kind of dipped his fantasy value because they, I think that they tried to play it safe with uh, Haskins coming mm-hmm. into his rookie year. They kind of just threw him in the fire. I think Jay Gruden had already been fired at this point. Yeah, it I was a bad why. situation
0: for McLaurin it's to start.
1: yeah so I mean given that they had the rapport from OSU they came out of uh, college together you would have assumed that they would have been better together but it just didn't work out that way Mm -hmm. I think that coming into year two with both of these guys a new head coach in Ron Rivera a new offensive coordinator in Scott Turner I think that this definitely benefits Dwayne Haskins and if it benefits Dwayne Haskins it's going to benefit Terry McLaurin so I think that Haskins builds confidence this upcoming season and we're going to see the rapport that McLaurin had with Haskins in his college days.
0: Yeah. McLaurin's a guy that we have him literally 15 spots ahead of the ADP like consensus on fantasy pros. And I I, like, he's going to be so good this year. Like we've seen countless comparisons already comparing him to DJ Moore while he isn't the run-after-catch monster that DJ Moore is, he is a do-it-all receiver. He can block, run deep, run, sl- uh, run slants, beats man coverage, beats zone coverage, contested catch guy. He can do everything. So, Terry McLaurin, the talent is definitely there. He is going into year two, and he is in an offense that kind of has this stigma around it that they're not going to be very good. But needless to say, Scott Turner is a good offensive coordinator. And like you said, Haskins likes to throw the ball to McLaurin. They have that chemistry from college. So, yeah, McLaurin's definitely a guy that I really, really like this year. One player that I think I'm completely, I'm completely in love with the talent, but I do not love the situation is A.J. Brown. So, A.J. Brown's a very interesting fantasy asset this year. Tyler, how? give me your breakdown on A.J. Brown this season.
1: Well, first of all, A.J. Brown is just talented. He was my favorite guy out of college in his, uh, what, 2019 NFL draft. Oh, he yeah, hindsight
0: 2020. Yeah, Nice. Everybody can say that now. <laughs> I wish I could. I said Nikhil was uh, mine. I'm going to stand by that.
1: You done? You done?
0: Yeah, I'm done. I'm done.
1: All right. So, A.J. Brown, clearly talented. We saw that last season. The problem with him is that he's just – this This offense isn't very beneficial to him. And the sense that we, well, we saw last season he was – Uh, scoring at a very high efficiency that I don't think that he'll be able to maintain. I don't think the offense will be able to maintain in 2020, just given how historical it was and given that it was through 10 games as opposed to 16 games. So I think that the per game scoring that he was at with um, Tannehill at quarterback, I think that definitely regresses along with that. I don't think Tannehill plays as well overall. So I think that affects A.J. Brown. I think that Corey Davis does get a little bit more involved considering he was just basically – he was so quiet uh, right when Tannehill came in.
0: Yeah, he actually played well against the Chiefs in in the playoff game. But, yeah, like Corey Davis will probably get a little bit more work. The player that I'm more worried about in this offense is Jonu Smith and also just the fact that they're super run heavy.
1: Yeah, it's it's more so just the offensive scheme that I'm worried about with AJ Brown. I feel like at this point, if he was in one of these offenses, like uh, like the Falcons or the Rams, or even like oh my God, game over. the Redskins. Yeah, if if he was in the Redskins or the Jags, who you knew was going to be passing a lot throughout the season because they were going to be down, like AJ Brown, we'd be talking about AJ Brown as possibly like a top twelve option because he has that much talent.
0: Yeah, and, he still could be this year, but I definitely see what you're saying. Like, yeah, the, the lack I of mean, volume. Like,
1: yeah, like I'm saying that we would probably rank him in this low wide receiver one, high re- receiver two, wide receiver two range, as yeah. opposed to number seventeen right now. Yeah, but I think that really speaks to the amount of talent this kid has. So I'm I'm really buying AJ Brown as the talent. I'm really looking for him in dynasty leagues because, like I, I, like I said, I just love the player that he is. Um, and overall, like, I mean, I'm I'm kind of skeptical to have him as my wide receiver too, just because you're really relying on efficiency. But he's a talented player. I think that he could have a season similar to what we saw from Tyler Lockett in 2017, which is I like that. Um, I think he he didn't have very many targets. I, don't, I he might have eclipsed a hundred targets in. Yeah, Seattle's it was just office. around there. And
0: super efficient. It,
1: yeah, it was just ridiculously efficient. I think he had finished with like ten touchdowns and finished in like the mid wide receiver two range, and that's about where I see AJ Brown finishing this upcoming season.
0: Yeah. So the thing with AJ Brown is like he's he's so talented, and another thing I love just I was scrolling through his Instagram last night, and I saw the pictures of him like idolizing Julio Jones. Like, you can't idolize Julio Jones publicly on your Instagram page and not become an elite receiver in the NFL. And wear
1: number 11 as well.
0: Yeah, that's why he says he wears number 11. So, like, not getting superstitious or anything. I mean, turn on the tape. You can tell A.J. Brown is a great player in the NFL. But just – it's another reason to root for him. I don't know. I always love Julio Jones. And if A.J. Brown turns out to be, like, half of what Julio Jones is, then, yeah, he's going to be a stud. So – the, I agree with you, though. The problem that I have with A.J. Brown is just the lack of volume that he might see this year because last year he ju- he averaged like just over five targets per game. And, yes, it did take time for the offense to improve with Tannehill and whatever and Mariota held him back. But at the end of the day, you have to take the entire season for what it was. You can't just look at 10 games and expect that to happen over 16. So he'll definitely regress a little bit. The yards per reception is going to go down. The yards per target is going to go down. But he's still super talented. So if he sees around 120 targets in this offense this year, then, yeah, we could see A.J. Brown finishes like a really good wide receiver too. He's someone that the floor scares me because of the lack of volume in this offense, but the upside is insane because if Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, tweaks his offense a little bit to acknowledge the fact that he has a star wide receiver and targets him like a star wide receiver – then A.J. Brown probably has the upside to finish top 10 this year. So he's, he's, he has a wide range of outcomes. I think wide receiver 17 is about where I'd expect him to finish. There's going to be boom games. There's going to be bust games. But at the end of the day, you're going to have fun watching him because he is super, super talented. So moving on from the upside wide receiver twos, we have the high wide receiver threes. So all of these guys still have the upside to finish as wide receiver twos, or some of them even wide receiver ones. But given their current situations, we're not that high on them or not as high as probably most people are. So you have Tyler Boyd at 19, Odell Beckham at 20, Adam Thielen at 21, DK Metcalf at 22, Brandon Cooks at 23, Tyler Lockett at 24, and Stephon Diggs at 25. So, Tyler, the player that stands out the most in this tier is probably Odell Beckham Jr. because everyone knows the name. So we have him as 20th overall. Do you want to give some reasoning behind that?
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of skeptical. I feel like I should be putting him lower just because I really don't believe that he'll be getting a lot of volume in this offense. Even though he's as talented as he is, I think that he gets even less targets than he got last season. Going from an off...
0: Sorry, the dog is barking. Whoa. Is that an Odell truther? (laughs) He's mad at you for hating on Odell.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I'll keep him at 20 for now. Anyways, we saw him get, like, what, 137 targets last season, something like that. It was in the 130 range, maybe 125. And I think that goes down in this offense, given that he was coming from a Freddie Kitchens offense, which was clearly pass-heavy, and converting to Kevin Stefanski's offense, who just came from Minnesota. We just saw them run the ball 500 times or give uh, running backs 500 touches. So... I think that given the situation, I think Odell is going to really drop in volume, but it'll be a higher efficiency offense. So we could see him really have some boom games because he is a, obviously a top-tier talent. Like it's Odell Beckham Jr. Like there's no questioning whether or not like he's a great player. Like he's a great player. He may have some antics off the field, but like that, that we're not going to get taught. We're not going to talk about that in a fantasy football podcast. But anyways, overall, I'm just not buying Odell to be a wide receiver two or at least a consistent one. But he's someone that you could have as your wide receiver three and could definitely benefit from that given the the upside that he has on a game-to-game basis.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. The thing with Odell is you want volume from your wide receiver two, and he definitely does not have that this year or at least it doesn't project to have that because Kevin Stefanski is the offensive coordinator and like you said it's just going to be there's going to be less passes in this offense they are going to be very run heavy so that does scare me and along with the fact that Jarvis Landry is still there I mean there's going to be targets distributed Landry, Hooper, Njoku uh, you still have Kareem Hunt catching passes like there's not that much there's not that big of a pie for Odell to get a piece of so that scares me this year and I love the player, but the situation just not good enough for me to put him any higher. So <laughs> that's definitely going to be a problem this year. Uh, another player that I really want to talk about on this tier is Brandon Cooks. So a lot of websites have him as like wide receiver 35, wide receiver 30-something, I don't even know. And we have him as wide receiver 23. So do you want to give some reasoning why we are so high on Brandon Cooks this season?
1: Yeah, I think both you and I are really buying – Brandon Cooks to be the number one guy in this offense, even with Will Fuller in the mix, just because, you know, he he's probably the most talented of the bunch, even if Will Fuller has the rapport with uh, Deshaun Watson. I think that either way, Brandon they're all going to be running deep routes. It's just a matter of who's open. And with that, I think that Brandon Cooks is going to be open more often than not. It's just about getting on the field, and we're not going to sit here and predict who's going to be on the field or not from an injury uh, concern from an injury basis. So if Brandon Cooks is on the field, I think that there's a lot of upside for him to creep into the top 20, especially given that. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's a guy – his first, what, four years of his NFL Mm -hmm. career, he finished with over 1,000 yards, and then last year kind of tailed off because – concussions dealing with
1: and, a lot of concussions and just like, like being not being out of, in the and out of games yeah like it was just a bad
0: situation for him last year along with jared goff just could not hit him like it isn't on cooks that he had a bad season jared goff also just flat out sucked when throwing him the ball and it wasn't
1: just it wasn't just Goff. it was the offensive line
0: i'm not i mean I'm that, not that's part of like I'm, I'm not like still yeah no i i definitely agree with you like the offensive line played a part in it he didn't have enough time and cooks is a guy where his routes develop he's a he's a deep ball guy He's gonna catch the ball 15 20 yards down the field almost every time, so that's a big thing with him. I like Cooks in this offense because I like Deshaun Watson and his ability to create. So, if Cooks in a scramble drill, that is deadly because he separates from any, he separates just as good as anybody in the NFL, and he's also pretty good with the ball in his hands. He's, he's, he's got track speed, so if you're gonna give him the ball in the open field, he can hit a home run on any given play, and that's what I really like. He was doing that. Even like his rookie year in New Orleans had like a 99-yard touchdown with Drew Brees. I remember I was a main beneficiary of that. Literally won me my week in like 2015. (laughs) So, yeah, Brandon Cooks, he's someone that the fit in this offense is nice. Yes, there's Will Fuller and Kenny Stills and whatever. But I just think it's going to be good for him to be in this offense and be heavily targeted. He might see the most targets he's seen in his entire career. And that's huge when you're looking at a guy that's so talented. So Brandon Cook, someone that we have at 23, I wouldn't be surprised if he finished higher, assuming he is healthy in 2020. So now we move on to the boom, bust, flex category. So these are guys that you probably want to have on your team. They can either win you your week or lose you your week. They're going to be relatively inconsistent, but the boom games are going to be so good that they're still going to finish inside the top 30 or 31. So we have at 26, Cortland Sutton, 27, Keenan Allen, 28, Marquise Brown, 29, Debo Samuel, 30, T.Y. Hilton, and 31, Devontae Parker. So, Cortland Sutton is someone that stands out on this list. It's kind of, like, controversial as opposed to where he is typically ranked, which is inside the top 20. So, why are we lower on Cortland Sutton than most people this year?
1: Well, I don't think we're necessarily sure how much passing volume he'll be getting in this offense. You know, Drew Locke is still a second-year guy. And it, might be, it could be a very run-heavy offense considering they have Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay out of the backfield. Their offensive line is improving, and obviously Lindsay and Gordon are two talented backs. Along with that, they brought in a lot of weapons this offseason. They brought in K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, and they have Noah Fan coming back year two. I think that everybody improves around him, and it, it isn't so much the Cortland Sutton show that it was last season.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't know. Along how many with that – Oh, wait, continue.
1: Along with that, he was playing with Joe Flacco last season, who was just like – I think that he really did not care about, like, <laughs> make, throwing 50-50 balls because he knew, like – he he was he pro- he probably knew he wasn't staying in Denver for long. Because I don't think he wanted to guy, stay in
0: Denver.
1: Yeah, they had a guy in Drew Locke that was just – he was dealing with injuries, but I think that Flacco knew that he was just the fill in at the point. Yeah. So he was just like, all right, screw it. I'll just throw it to this talented guy, Cortland Sutton, who, by the way, Sutton is a very talented player. Like, there, there's no doubt about it. It's just about volume in this offense. So,
0: um, yeah, I really like Sutton from that standpoint. Like, from a talent standpoint, he kind of reminds me of a Kenny Galladay, like a go up and get it kind of guy. And contested catch, he's probably going to come. It's like he turns a 50-50 ball into, like, a 70-30 ball because he's just so good, with, and he can high-point the ball so well. So, yeah, I like that a lot for Sutton. But in terms of volume, I'm definitely on board with you. I think Jerry Judy is going to be a stud, and KJ Hamler is not a slouch either. So, adding those two into this offense, along with Noah Fant improving, like, I agree with everything you said. It's just the volume won't be there for him to be consistent this season, and that does scare me. So, with him, it's really going to be – probably touchdown or bust more often than not. And moving on from the boom bust category, we have the risky flex slash wide receiver fours. So this is a pretty big tier. We kind of grouped in, I think it's like eight or nine guys into this tier. And at 32, we have Jarvis Landry, 33, AJ green, 34, Julian Edelman, 35, Will Fuller, 36, Marvin Jones, 37, Michael Gallup, 38, Deontay Johnson 39 Darius Slayton and 40 Jamison Crowder so in this tier I want to talk about two guys in specific I want to talk about Jarvis Landry kind of talked touched on him with Odell but I want to talk about that a little bit so how do you feel about Jarvis Landry given that he's been so heavily targeted in his career how do you feel about him in this run heavy scheme
1: well I feel the same way uh, about Jarvis Landry as I do with Odell obviously a great talent I think that we talked about this a little bit before he might be getting the, the least amount of targets in his career in this mm-hmm. offense, given how run heavy it's, it is. And given the bad team slash like just run heavy or pass heavy schemes that he's been in throughout his career. And just the, the kind of player that Jarvis Landry is, I think that he's like before coming to Cleveland, he finished with a uh, hundred catches like every year of his career. Mm-hmm. And he was still getting heavily targeted in Cleveland. So Given the the new offensive scheme, I think this definitely affects Jarvis Landry. And when the ball does get thrown, I think the first option is going to be Odell, given who Odell is. Like, he's just a great talent. So I think Jarvis Landry is definitely, definitely the least or he's the most affected by this new offensive scheme. In it from a negative standpoint.
0: Yeah, so he's one of those guys that he's definitely gonna hurt because of this coaching change, because he's one of those guys that's seen, like you said, seen so much volume throughout his career. And he's not necessarily like a big play guy, like he's gonna move the chains for you and he's gonna help you get first downs and help you get up and down the field. But he's not a home run hitter. He's not gonna score these like 50, 60 yard touchdowns, take the top off the of defense and really just get chunk plays. He's, that's not his game. And when you take that away, when you take the volume away from a receiver that really relies on the volume, then you're really hurting. I mean, you could compare him, honestly, to last year's Cole Beasley. Like, he'll still get probably his like five to six catches a game, but it's only going to be for like 50, 60 yards. And that's not something you want to rely on, especially this season with so much depth at the wide receiver position. I think 32 is probably about where he should be because Jarvis is a very talented player, but the situation, once again, just does not benefit him at all. So Jarvis, someone kind of fade relative to his value in 2020, and someone that I think is going to be flying up draft boards and flying up the rankings throughout the season is Deontay Johnson. So obviously another stealer, your boy. Tell me about Deontay Johnson and why he's being so heavily slept on this season.
1: I think it's the same reason that Juju Smith-Schuster is being slept on, and that's because of Big Ben's uncertainty. But if Big Ben's on the field and he's about 70% – 80% of what he was in 2018, I think that it could be very beneficial to both Juju and Deontay Johnson. We saw that he was just, he, he really made do with what he had in 2019, and he really displayed his talent as a route runner. I think he finished first in separation amongst all wide receivers in 2019. Yeah, which he was, was doing incredible things with his routes. Which is kind of crazy to say coming from a third-round rookie, but that's just, that's just kind of what the Steelers do. I mean, they are known for getting finding guys like this in the middle rounds and kind of turning them into stars. One of those guys is Emmanuel Sanders, who I see a lot of. In oh, that's who I was about to
0: compare him to. Like, it's, yeah. every time it's, we watch him play, like, I text you and it's I'm just like, Manny that Sanders. is literally Manny. Like, it is so similar. It is unbelievable that they found another Manny Sanders. Like, this kid is so good running routes it is beautiful to watch
1: they found him around the same area of the draft which is 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 very ironic but uh I digress Deontay Johnson it's just we we saw the talent that he had this past season he was also dealing with a quad injury which I like it didn't look like he was dealing with a quad injury throughout the season
0: he got Uh, surgery recently didn't he
1: yeah he he got surgery he uh, he's yet to take the field which is kind of sketchy but we'll we'll get an update it's early yeah. june right now we'll get an update about him getting on the field the he'll be ready by training camp
0: the injury situation with him definitely will remain fluid and we will update you guys if anything changes with him but he's someone that we have him as wide receiver 38 and that's just given the injury situation and big ben's risk but he's another player that I could realistically see finishing inside of the top 30 despite the depth that there is at the wide receiver position like Big Ben's ex-receiver, which is what Deontay Johnson is going to play in this offense, historically has been a very, very good fantasy asset. I mean, you look at Santonio Holmes, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, like whoever it is that is there is going to produce. So that I really, really like for Deontay Johnson. Will Big Ben make him into one of those kinds of stars this year? I don't think it happens this year, but it definitely could happen in the future. So, Dynasty purposes, I love Deontay Johnson, but just for 2020 redraft, he's one of my favorite sleepers this year. Someone I want to get on the end of every roster I have, because he could really end up blossoming into a star in this league. And when you turn on the tape, you'll see the same exact thing. He is He's a stud. Like, he is going to be a really good player in this league. So, Deontay Johnson, another player you should buy. And that pretty much wraps things up for our 2020 wide receiver rankings. This is our 1.0 ranking. So, Things will remain fluid, moving players up and down a little bit, given news and following the news cycle and everything. But this is more or less what we believe will happen in 2020. And if you have any questions about it, be sure to either comment on our Instagram post, DM us on Instagram, Twitter. We are always available and ready to start a dialogue with you about who is going to finish where and why.